The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. This is Victoria Moran. Welcome to the Main Street Vegan program. And that was Vegan is the Future, a little clip from Vegan is the Future from L.A. rapper Mr. Hip. Thanks so much, Mr. Hip, for permission to use that song. And uh, thanks to um, Jamal from uh, Vegans in the Hood uh, for connecting us with Mr. Hip and Vegan is the Future. Now, why did we do that? We did it to celebrate our very first guest today, who is Keith Tucker. I'm going to introduce him in just a moment. First, I want to let you know who's coming after the break, and then we'll get back to the eternal now. Those of you who are new to this program, I am Victoria Moran. I am the Main Street Vegan. You can find out more at MainStreetVegan.net. If you hear sounds of a pigeon in the background, that's because I live with a rescue pigeon and a rescue dog. And if you're vegan, you know that that's just kind of the stuff we do. So after the break, I'm going to be talking with the wonderful, inspiring vegan entrepreneur, Dominic Thompson. And right now, I am going to be talking with the innovative Keith Tucker. Why did we play a little bit of hip hop at the beginning? Because Keith Tucker 
is known to be, and he may um, say he had some help with this, but he is known to be the founder of Hip Hop is Green, a pioneering movement led by a team of artists and performers that use the power and influence of hip hop to speak to youth and spark positive change in their lives. So Hip Hop is Green is giving them this powerful, life-changing way to, to provide programs for underserved, low-income, urban youth and their families. They are on the vanguard of a new trend of people open to health and wellness and discovering new products. They are pioneers in this new green age of hip hop. And it is my honor and privilege to be talking today with Keith Tucker. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Victoria. I really appreciate it. Well, it's wonderful to have you. So where did this idea come from? Give us some history. Yeah, so in uh, 2007, this is when it really all started, Victoria. I actually come from radio myself. So I had a radio show here locally. I'm in Seattle, so I had a radio show here in Seattle called The Keith Tucker Show. And on my show, I really examined the culture of hip-hop, and my producers really loved the way that I uh, kind of came at the, the audience with really informative talk about the culture of hip-hop. And, um, you know, I came up with the idea in 2008 about interviewing hip-hop artists that were vegan. And so we, you got to think about it. This has been, you know, almost 11 years now. And 11 years ago, there were only two songs in hip-hop that ever talked about veganism. Um, that was KRS-One's Beef in 1990. He made a song about the beef industry. That was the first song. And then Dead Prez made a song called Be Healthy. And so um, I happened to be friends with both of these artists, KRS-One and Dead Prez. Um, and I had other friends um, like Public Enemy. And I would hang out with these guys and I would, you know, we would be talking and, you know, the conversation about food would come up. And um, we went to restaurants that were vegan and talked about veganism. And I was like, wow, I didn't know that there were people in hip hop that were vegan. Maybe this is a great idea for a radio show. <laughs> so that's how all this stuff started, just from, you know, that concept of, you know, starting a radio show wanting to really find out more about hip-hop artists that are, are vegan. And uh, like I said, you know, you played the uh, the song there that was really cool, um, you know, from the artist. Um, you know, we were pioneers in this thing because when we started, there wasn't hardly any artist playing music or speaking lyrics that were concerned about the veganism or animal rights or any of these issues. So we were amongst the first to really go out and go in urban communities and start doing the work that we've been doing. So you were vegan prior to this? No, you know. Ah. Um, what, yeah, <laughs> so the music changed you. You know, it, 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 was, it was the music, it was the culture, and it was my radio show. So those three things combined actually led me into becoming a vegan myself because, you know, I figured that, you know, as a journalist, I wanted to honor the, the, the topic that I was discussing, veganism. So I was like, you know, I don't think I can be eating a, a McRib sandwich or, 
or some chicken or whatever while I'm doing this series. I was like, that doesn't sound right. So why don't I go vegan while I'm doing this series? And one thing led to another, and I found out that veganism was really good. Um, matter of fact, my first trip ever was in uh, 2008. I went to the Seattle Veg Fest. So shout out to the Seattle Veg Fest. Mm-hmm. I went there. And so I'm driving to the Veg Fest, Victoria. And I'm I'm thinking in my mind in 2008, I'm thinking, okay, I've got to go vegan myself. What am I going to do and how am I going to go? How am I going to go about doing it? What, how am I going to eat the food, you know, and how am I going to cook it? What is the food, you know? And I'm thinking, well, I think it's the tofu square, the nasty salad, <laughs> and maybe I'll eat some nuts. And, you know, and that's probably all I'm going to be eating is rabbit food, you know. And that's what I'm thinking while I'm driving there. So I get to the Veg Fest, pay my money, I come in, and it just blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. It was just so many different options of vegan foods in there. And matter of fact, I was standing in front of the almond milk booth for about five minutes trying to figure out how did they get milk from an almond. <laughs> well, you got to get up really early in the morning and go out to the almond barn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it, this is a whole foreign world to me. And I was like, why am I missing this whole world of food here? What is going on? And where are the young people here? You know, I was looking around at everybody, and there was people maybe 35, 40 on up, you know, but I didn't see any young people. I didn't see any people that represented hip hop culture in there either, you know. And so um, the the producer of the Veg Fest, um, I ended up having lunch with him, and we were talking, and he said, "Keith, listen, I've been trying to reach young people in the urban communities for years, and I go to school, I talk to them about veganism, and they look at me like I'm from Mars or something." He's like, "Can you help me reach these kids?" And, you know, at that time, I had my radio show. I mentored about 100 kids uh, at that time. I've been involved in hip-hop for many, many, many years, so I had a lot of contacts there. And I told them, I was like, yeah, I'll bring the youth. I'll promote the event. I'll bring some hip-hop artists to perform, and you do the food, and we'll call it a hip-hop green dinner. And that Woo-hoo. happened on, yeah, yeah, that happened on June 22nd of 2009. And that event was historical because that was the first time that hip hop had actually consciously went to an event to serve vegan food and have hip hoppers perform. That's the first wow. time that I know that's ever happened in history. So, yeah, that's the, the, the that's the birth of, of hip hop is green and wow, know, ten years, so ten year now. I, I would- to a hip hop is green event here in, in Harlem where I live two years ago, I think two, three years ago, John Sally was there. A bunch of people were there right. and it was, it was so alive. And, and I learned, you know, being a white woman in my sixties, not a culture that uh-huh. I'm terribly familiar with that, that right. hip hop isn't just about music or music and clothes and a few, I mean, it's got a whole depth and these pillars. Yeah. Can you kind of explain yeah. what some of those are and where hip hop is green fits in? Yes. Thank you. And that's such a great question, Victoria. And I'm glad that you came to that event because that event was historical unto itself. So 
let's talk about the culture of hip hop. That's what I really base my radio show about. I was the first person to really actually talk about all the different elements in hip hop culture. So at the time when I was doing my radio show back in 2007, we had nine elements that engulfed the culture of hip hop, nine elements that represented our culture. So hip hop is not rap music. Hip hop is a culture and is composed of nine elements in that culture. Everyone knows um, the music, you know, but let's talk about the culture. The first element is um, DJing. Um, so that's an element in hip-hop culture, the DJ, how they use two turntables and how they scratch and mix and all of that stuff. That is an element in the culture of hip-hop. And then MCing is like, you know, Alex Trebek. He's the MC of Jeopardy. You know, that's how a rapper started. They were the MC of the show. And they would go out in front of the DJ and they would tell the, everybody how good the DJ was. They were the MCs. But pretty soon, the MCs started getting really good at what they were calling rapping. So, you know, the MC is MCing the show, but what he's doing is rapping. And pretty soon, that turned into people calling them rappers. Okay, so that's the second element of the culture. The third element of the culture is graffiti art. And then the fourth element is breaking, breakdancing. So those are the four core main elements of hip-hop culture. And hip-hop culture started in 1973, and through the 70s and 80s, we really rocked with, you know, these four core elements and into the 90s. And into the mid-90s, that's when we started adding more elements uh, of the culture, courtesy of my good friend KRS-One. Um, he is a, a really amazing MC, one of the greatest MCs in the history of hip-hop, KRS-One is, and he's also a historian and a carrier of, you know, hip-hop culture. So he added um, uh, uh, he added a few elements. And let me backtrack here, too. Africa Bambata added the fifth element of hip-hop, which is street knowledge. So like I'm giving you right now, uh, you know, information about hip-hop culture that's outside of a scholarly, uh, you know, or school atmosphere, Okay. And so um, then Karis one added beatboxing, street fashion, street language, and street entrepreneurialism to round out the nine elements of culture. So, so Victoria, Victoria, we did that um, uh, that show and, and and on the Keith Tucker show, and I and I and I went through the nine elements of the culture, how hip hop is green plays a part. Years later, uh, in 2015, I came up with the idea of adding a new element to the culture of hip-hop. And since I was, at that time, it really involved with the hip-hop green dinners and serving vegan meals to kids and youth all around the country, um, I felt that the 10th element of hip-hop should be health and wellness. That should be the 10th element. So I wrote a letter to many of the founders and legends of hip-hop and people that were in the industry and, uh, uh, and athletes like John Sally and others. And I just wrote an open letter to hip-hop stating that we needed to add a new element. And I actually drafted what that element is, the definition of the 10th element. I drafted a proclamation that states why we're doing this. And we had a ceremony on April 21st of 2016 at Harlem at the Schomburg. 
that you came to. I was there. You were there. You were there at the birth of the 10th element of hip hop. That's where we signed the document. And uh, that's when that new element was born. And, uh, you know, as a lot of people say, you know, uh, the 10th element is very important because before the 10th element, we in hip hop, we were unbalanced. You had nine elements. The 10th element really balances the culture out. And it brings in a whole new, fresh, you know, uh, element in the culture that can sustain us and sustain the planet. So the 10th element is very important. So, yeah, I'm glad you came. And and that's how, you know, that's what the culture of hip hop is. And and that's how, you know, through hip hop is green. Again, you know, we made history by adding that new element in the culture. Well, you did indeed. So how are you reaching people? How, what percentage, do you have any sense of the percentage of people who identify as a part of the hip hop culture who are looking into the health and wellness, particularly the plant-based eating and, and the vegan part of it all? Wow, that's a loaded question. Um, let me say, I don't know what the percentage of people are that are, that are in there, but I, I will tell you this. I've seen it grow from just a fringe thing that we were doing into many, many thousands of people that are doing it now, okay? Um, I see right now a movement is happening. That's why we say welcome to the green age of hip-hop because, you know, this is really the green age of hip-hop right now. And and we consider, you know, April 21st event really the birth of all of that. And it's been exploding ever since. You know, the numbers in in, in veganism and plant-based eating have gone up 600% in the the last few years. And, uh, you know, in the urban community, it's probably gone up uh, just the same, you know. Um, But I will tell you this. And, 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 and we will have these numbers soon. Hip-hop is probably the most influential force when it comes to youth on planet Earth. And so our goal is to use the influence of hip-hop to move the culture in a green direction. And so that's what I think is so awesome about this opportunity is that we have the ability to, you know, get youth involved in this thing through hip-hop culture and to reshape what people think about hip-hop. Well, that is really exciting. And one of the questions I would have for you, Keith, is do you get arguments about this? If you're at a concert or something talking to people, do they say, oh, great, I want to do it? Or, Or do they have pushback? And if they do, what kind is it? When I first started, I used to get pushback uh, from people that would come to a green dinner or I would hear people say, well, what does hip hop have to do with veganism? You know, and and my comeback was that, uh, you know, from that is, well, hip hop people, there's many people in hip hop that are vegan. Um, There's many people in urban communities that have been vegan for many, many, many years, you know, so it's it's synonymous with the culture, but it just hasn't been promoted. So, you know, I tell people that all the time. And then people have their, you know, miss their myths about the food and their misconceptions about the food, just like I did, you know, with the nasty tofu square in their head. You know what I mean? And so that's one of the biggest uh, hurdles that we have to overcome is that misconception. But we overcome that pretty quickly when people come to our events 
and they try our food and then they, you know, they, their mind gets open and they have that, what we call that epiphany moment right on the spot where they're like, wow, this food is amazing. I didn't know it tastes this good. You know, and so, you know, we figured out a way throughout the last 10 years to overcome pretty much any, uh, you know, anything that people say about, you know, either hip hop or the food. Wow, that's cool. It's interesting to me when you're working mostly with young people, it seems like the health argument on its own is going to fall flat because when you're really young, you don't think you're ever going to be sick. And yet with the vegan idea, you know, you can bring in all of these other kind of justice issues around animals and world hunger and the planet. And it just seems to give it more gravitas to younger people. Do you find that? Do you know what? That is so on point, Victoria. We have in our program, see, Hip Hop is Green is an organization that we produce the Hip Hop Green Dinner. Uh, We produce other events. But more importantly, we have a health and wellness program that we're initiating in cities all around the country. And in this health and wellness program that we're initiating, and it's a year-round program too, um, basically we have six pillars. And here are the six pillars. Plant-based eating, organic gardening, fitness, sobriety, food justice, and animal rights. And so these are the areas where the young people are gravitating to. So, for instance, if you're in an urban community and you've never had access to being around animals, we will take you to an animal sanctuary and get young kids around animals so that they understand that animals have rights too. Animals are sentient beings as well too, right? So these are things that we do. If you're in a situation where you're in a food desert, we'll show you how to grow your own food. Or we'll show you where to get food and obtain food in your area. We do hands-on events um, throughout the year with uh, with youth and families uh, in in cities all around the country. So that that's really, I think, one of the you know the really cool things about what we're doing is those six pillars of um, our, our health and wellness program. Those are incredibly cool. You could almost take those six pillars and say that they really describe. And an enlightened, all-encompassing vegan lifestyle, because it's one thing mm-hmm. to just stop eating animals, and you, you know, you're not fit. You've never touched the dirt. You know, right. <laughs> food justice that's is just I, off your radar. There I mean, you go. This is that, great stuff. That, you know what, Victoria? That's why I put those in there because you know I've been doing this for ten years now. So I, I've done a lot of research, you know, in veganism and around the area of veganism. And so I was like, I want to have a well-rounded program that not only covers, you know, the issues of veganism, but it also covers the issues that that youth face. Um, the opiate uh, issue is, is a big issue now. There's a lot of different entertainers that have OD, you know, and, uh, and, and in music, unfortunately, there's lyrics that talk about using drugs. You know, um, I've been clean for 26 years, you know, and so I know Mm. firsthand, you know, what is going on when it comes to drugs and alcohol. And so, you know, one of the things about hip hop is green is, is we have um, stick man of dead prez has been clean for about 10 years now himself. 
And so we have another per, uh, person on our team that has a sobriety program. So we're going around doing, you know, and wanting to do the first talks ever, you know, about being sober in, in hip hop and in, in the entertainment industry and in hip hop culture. So these are other things that we're doing as well, too. So, yeah. That that is really interesting. It kind of brings me back to the old um, straight edge uh, punk kind of culture yeah. from 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah, I, I have a lot of straight edge punk friends, you know, that I yeah. know, you know, and, and we talk about that all the time. Matter of fact, I might even do some events with straight edge punk and hip hop events that are sobriety, that are, you know, sober events and vegan wow. events. Wow. Have, have one in New York. <laughs> awesome. I would love to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is. And, and who are some of the artists that are vegan that, that people who enjoy hip hop or just getting introduced to it might find fun? Okay. Well, I'm sure everyone knows the Wu-Tang Clan. Um, yes. Most of the Wu-Tang Clan are vegan themselves. Um, and yeah. And then Styles P, he's a part of the, a group called the Locks. And Styles P is amazing. Um, he's not only vegan, but he is a business owner now too. And now he's one of the most legendary uh, rappers in, in in hip hop. Period. As part of the, his group, the Locks. He was on um, Bad Boy Records with Sean Puffy Combs. So mm. you know he was there in 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 some of the seminal moments of, of hip hop culture. And um, now he owns three juice bars uh in the new york area juices for life so shout out to styles p you know for all of his work that he's doing and he's a part of hip-hop is green as well um and then stick man uh and m1 of dead prez uh and stick's wife afia um, they are all part of hip hop is green and they have their own world as well too they they have a company called rbg fit records and they're putting out records that are all about health and wellness. All their artists are vegan and they're putting out Whoa. music to, yeah, they're putting out music to accompany this whole new green age of hip hop. Matter of fact, Stick is working on, along with Soul Messiah, he's, they're working on the uh, official song for Hip Hop is Green right now, which will be out in, in, in this month sometime. So, yeah. So that's that. And then you've got Soul Messiah and Sawrock. So Sawrock is one of the, um, she's one of the, the I, I would say Sawrock is one of the baddest MCs on the planet right now. And she's been vegan for about 15 years. Her husband, wow. uh, Soul Messiah, has been vegan for 30 years. So, and you've uh, been vegan for a while now yourself. And being a radio yeah, person, yeah. you understand the radio clock. We need to be right. winding down uh, in the next yes. few seconds. But no Keith problem. Tucker, bless your heart and bless this movement. I mean, this amazing things are going to happen for decades to come because of Hip Hop is Green. So listeners, uh, Facebook page, Hip Hop is Green. One, Twitter and Instagram, Hip Hop is Green. We'll put all of that in the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. Thanks so, so much, Keith Tucker, and everybody else. Stay with us. We're going to be back with Crazies and Weirdos, Dominic Thompson. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world.
Unity Online Radio is bringing the message of unity to thousands of spiritual seekers around the world. If you enjoy our programming, we invite you to support it by visiting unityonlineradio.org and clicking on Donate Now. Help us continue to provide inspiring content to everyone. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Meditation Minute with Paulette Pipe. So as always, we begin our time of meditation by first taking account of what we're feeling, those sights that we're seeing, those sensations that we're experiencing, and each breath that we breathe. Notice where in your body you're experiencing those sensations. Let your breathing find its own rhythm. As we begin the process of letting go, the process of relaxation. Remember why we're here. To hear more from Paulette Pipe and Touching the Stillness, visit the archives section at unityonlineradio.org. Did you know you can reach Unity's 24-7 prayer ministry online? You don't even have to give your name to know the prayers have begun for you or those you love. Someone has been praying around the clock at Silent Unity since 1890, and every request is taken into prayer for 30 days. Why not let us pray with you, too? To submit your prayer request to Silent Unity online, go to unity.org and click on prayer or call 816-969-2000. Daily Word has developed beautiful card decks to support your spiritual journey. One deck is about healing, another is about finding peace in troubled times, and the family cards are two decks, one for parents and one that can be colored on for children, so families can talk about spiritual principles together. The card decks are available from Unity. Go to unity.org, then click on Shop or call 1-800-24-UNITY Monday through Friday. Liz Dawn, CEO of Celebrate Your Life, has been presenting live events with some of the world's leading spiritual teachers for over 23 years. Liz is sharing some of these classic lectures every Monday at 10 a.m. Central on the Celebrate Your Life Hour. Join Liz as she shares memories of working with people like Dr. Wayne Dyer, Caroline Mace, Denise Lynn, and many others. These talks have never been heard on the air before. Listen exclusively on unityonlineradio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome back, everybody. Just want to let you know that we have a brand new blog post up at MainStreetVegan.net, and it's called Different Drummer Diners. And if you are a vegan or a would-be vegan who wants to step into this new year, staying committed to your principles and also being friendly and tolerant and open to your omnivorous friends and family, 
read different drubber diners. I wrote it just for you. Also, big shout out to Thomas Jackson and A Prayer for Compassion, the film we've been working on for a really long time. It is going to premiere, official world premiere, March 5th in New York City. So you can go to MainStreetVegan.net, go to the events page, and there's information there if you would like to get an invitation to that premiere. And also, uh, who you can contact if you would like to do a screening in your own town or city or theater or church or synagogue or whatever you've got going. We'd love to share this beautiful film with you. And now it is my pleasure to share a beautiful guest with you. And this man is truly beautiful from from the soul through the body. And that is Dominic Thompson. A leader in the vegan and the plant-based communities. He is the founder of Crazies and Weirdos, a successful New York-based startup that produces hip, sustainable clothing made in New York from recycled and organic materials. He's also the founder of Eat What Elephants Eat, a food and nutrition company dedicated to making plant-based eating accessible and affordable with a whole suite of services, including round-the-clock food and nutrition wellness program designed to help people meet their food and nutrition goals. He's been in uh, healthcare as an executive there. He has a, a colorful and deeply textured background. I wish we had three hours so he could tell you all of it. We're going to get into some <laughs> of it with this wonderful power lister, lifter crossfitter amazing human being, Dominic Thompson. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm so fortunate. I mean, you have talked to people on NPR and ABC and Men's Health and Muscle and Fitness and Esquire. (laughs) And uh, thank you so much for talking to Main Street Vegan. Plus, you're on the cover of Bright Zine, wonderful vegan magazine in the UK this month. Yeah, that's it. That's a very uh, that was an amazing article that I did. I really appreciate that because it's always good to uh, spread the word and have representation of all all backgrounds from our background as vegans, um, even no matter the country or the uh, community and market. So that was a that was definitely uh, something I was happy to be a part of. Yeah, well, Laura Callen, um, the editor there, just took the Main Street Vegan Academy program, and we loved her. You know, I love all my students, but some of them I think I fall in love with, <clears throat> and she was one. So, yes. eat what elephants eat. Do tell. Yeah, yeah, plants, right? That's what elephants eat. Some of your people don't even – a lot of people don't know that uh, elephants themselves are the largest, strongest uh, walking vegans uh, on this planet. And um, uh, their diet, their intelligence, the way they form their uh, their bond and their uh, circles and stuff is something that a lot of us can learn ourselves. And um, what Eat Well Eat, it, it's, it's a, a brand new food and nutrition company that was uh, coined off the slogan uh, and the iconic trademark that we created at Crazies and Weirdos. Um, and this is a brand new company that I over my years of traveling, excuse me, I excuse me, I travel over the world, raising awareness and speaking out about plant-based eating, about uh, veganism in general. Uh, but through those travels over the years, um, a lot of people have always uh, asked me to create a program to help them get started 
Um, and I spent a year, Victoria, I spent the entire year <coughs> even working with <coughs> initially some health systems. I don't want to give away any names, but uh, I spent a year developing um, this company, uh, Ewell and and it's now a Georgia company, proud to say that, and finally found the right team uh, and the leadership put, put in place to form the nutrition and wellness part of the company. And that's what I'm really excited about because no matter your background, you could be a college student, you could be a working professional, you could be a single mom, a, a young family, you can have 15 minutes in the kitchen or 50 minutes in the kitchen. You can have a budget or you don't have a budget. We have a program designed for each and every one of uh, people around the world. We're making it not only accessible, but very, very affordable. Uh, so I'm really proud of this program. And we had a whole line of food coaches, food and nutrition coaches that are going to get you to that next level. And how wonderful that a food company sees that part of it. You know, they all really have responsibility for the health of their consumers. But it's just very new that uh, some are starting to look at it that way. And you've got it from the ground up. You also, Dominic, have a story that just blows people away. And I, I realize our time is short. Could you blow us away in a condensed version of a story <laughs> that did not, does not deserve to be condensed? Yeah, no, no worries. I do my best. I, uh, I, so I've been close to meat-free 18 years uh, now. And I come from a humble, uh, humble background and beginnings. I grew up in Chicago. Uh, and I you know, made some uh, poor choices growing up. Uh, I don't like to play victim. I don't like to say I was a product of my environment. Um, I did make those choices. Um, um, sure, the environment had an influence on me, but at the end of the day, I made those choices, and it put me eventually in jail. I'm a former gang member uh, as well as a uh, former uh, drug dealer, and that caught up with me where I had to go end up doing uh, some time. Um, and it was there in the prison system, my first week there, that I decided to go plant-based to eliminate meat from my diet. Um, and that's because I was trying to figure out why the universe placed me in that situation. Um, and everything pointed to a childhood memory. Uh, when I was eight years old, I had a conversation with my mother across from our, 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 our table eating chicken wings. Um, and I looked at the chicken wings. This is an eight-year-old Dominic. And then I looked at my own arms and looked back at the chicken wings. And then I questioned and challenged my mother. And I said, I don't want to eat it. And she asked me why. And I said, because they look like little bitty arms. And it was from there I made that connection. And my mom eventually compromised. You know, we, we fought over it at first, but she compromised and started feeding me a lot of uh, fish sticks for what she can afford because this is a sad mother without any uh, financial help, and I lived in a single-parent home, uh, but she did. She made uh, made it made uh, different choices to provide me with other foods, which was a lot of processed foods and uh, refined carbs and stuff like that, but I eventually went on to, with life, but that memory, the, I feel like the universe planted that memory while I was sitting there in my jail cell trying to figure out what is my next move? And it was there in the jail cell that I decided to do a hard reset just to flush my, my soul and my energy of anything that was negative. I didn't no longer want to contribute to any industry, uh, food or drug industry, communities or anything, any type of thing that had anything to do with harm. And that's why my mantra, 
Um, just like on our shirts are crazy. The weirdos say, if it requires harm, then no. And that's 17, 18 years ago. Hmm. When I heard you speak once, Dominic, you explained that when you were arrested, you'd already turned your life around. You'd left all that stuff behind you. You were in college, but the past still caught up with you. And I think so often when things like that happens, a person can go one of two ways. They can either be bitter and, and just take the dark road, or they can look for the light. And it's amazing that you did that and that the memory of chicken wings was a big part of it. Yeah, I mean, it was. I want to say it when, and you might have heard, misheard that conversation, that speech that you see me talk to. I wouldn't say that my life was turned around because it definitely wasn't turned around. I was just on the up and up and in college and also have a corporate job when uh, the feds came and got me uh, based mm -hmm. on. Uh, like a one last score type of decision that I decided to do after being pressured from uh, some people um, that I used to be affiliated with. So I wouldn't say I, I, my life was turned around. I was just being a productive citizen and, and moving out completely away from that environment. But it caught up with me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah well, how that, interesting, that, Dominic, and, and how deeply textured that makes you sound as a human being. Because most people would say, well, yeah. I'm in school. I got a good job. My life has turned around. But you see that there needs to be more than that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think people, a lot of people in the world feel like they know themselves. But it truly took for me to go into the prison system to me really to really dig deep and to really get closer uh, to the universe, to that higher energy and and no matter if you define it as God, if you define it as a different name, um, it is something greater than you. And it was something greater than me that gravitated me and, and pulled me into that situation. And that was the closest I got to that energy. And that was the closest that I, I found to finding myself, which I did find myself, uh, was there. I found out who I am and what I needed to do going forward. And this is my life's work, what you guys see me doing now. Wow. So what did you do when you were first released from prison? Well, I had to get a job. <laughs> and was that hard? I mean, we always read, oh, it's so difficult whenever anybody's been in prison, nobody wants to hire them. Yeah, yeah. It, it was definitely challenging for the first three months because I was in a halfway house and I had restrictions with curfew. You had to be back. You had to show that you was putting in an application. It was just an entire process designed to challenge you into kind of make you want to go make bad decisions because the system even re-entering into society is not set up. It's truly not set up to aid and support those people that have been convicted of those crimes, no matter the crime and stuff. So I, I didn't have the support that I, that, that is true, which you read about in the papers or you see in Hollywood, you hear it through friends and loved ones. It's hard to get the support to rehabilitate yourself to be a productive citizen. But me being the man I am, taking an initiative, uh, I didn't wait for opportunities. I kind of created those opportunities, and I had that game plan. And I was fortunate enough after three months of looking for a job, then I found one as a temporary job. But also um, uh, my former company that I worked for prior to going into prison when I was in college I made such an impact on them with my productivity and what I was doing. That was my first entry level into healthcare, working for a hospital system that the director, two directors, the senior director and the associate director, 
went to bat for me with HR and requested that uh, um, I I get my old position back. Um, and and it took about six months from there to get that back. But it's crazy. They they seen my workload legal went over. Their legal department went over, and they gave me that that second chance. And I never oh. looked back. And that's when I excelled in healthcare. I never ever looked back. I went on to get promotions, and I went on to go into better jobs in a different company. But I never looked back. I took that opportunity because the universe gave me another chance, and I just kicked the door wide open. Wow. Now, in addition to your success as an entrepreneur, and you're already successful, but my sense is in the coming decades, you are going to set the world on fire. You really are going to do such amazing things. But you've also become one of the fittest persons I've ever been around. Where did that piece <laughs> come in? Yeah, I so in in prison you so I I used to be for your listeners probably don't know I used to be a you know overweight I was about two, I was over two hundred fifty pounds uh, that's just from that lifestyle you know running the streets going to the clubs and stuff like that but when I went plant based when I went vegetarian in prison that first week within two to months I lost all that weight that weight just started naturally dropping I had no idea what I was doing with the food and nutrition because. My my reasoning for stopping eating meat because I didn't want to have nothing to do with harm. I didn't know what it was going to do to my body. It transformed my body into uh, this superhero body, meaning because I was working out too. I was eating simple carbs and complex carbs while working out, um, and it just transformed immediately. And, you know, I started getting energy. My energy levels was going up. I was working out three times a day. Then it started going four times a day because that's all you can do in there is sit and rock or read letters or write letters and do whatever your job assignment is in the system and, and continue to read. There's only so much reading you can do. There's only so much writing you can do. I threw myself into uh, training and training my body, re-engineering my body, just like I also re-engineered my mind, the way to, and I started reading up on food and nutrition. And this body that you guys see online is a product of that. This is so interesting to me, Dominic. I've never been in prison, but I did spend a year and a half of my life in a little cabin in the central Missouri Ozarks, and sometimes it felt like prison. That was the fittest I have ever been. <laughs> I went to the gym <laughs> twice a day because just like you said, you know, when there's nothing else to do, you go to the gym. So yeah. um, maybe living in places yeah. like New York City and Atlanta... <laughs> Well, New York was inspiring too, and that's how I I, I found my uh, uh, my passion for endurance sports. I ah. when I moved to New York, uh, yeah, when I moved to New York, because uh, we had a big acquisition with the company I worked for at the time in healthcare, and they asked me to go up there to help develop um, that network of hospitals, and I went up there, and I spent six, seven years in New York, but. Um, I was already in very, very top shape when I was in New York, but my, and that's when I made a full switch to go vegan. Uh, you know, when I, the year before, like transitioning from New York, from Atlanta to New York, when I went up there and my body just became even more, uh, impressive and it craved more, it, more physical activities and stuff like that. And so I started just to run and, and I always had it in the back of my mind, I always wanted to do an Ironman, I always wanted to do an Ironman. So I took that opportunity in busy New York to uh, sign up for my first triathlon, and I never looked back. It was just something that I became addicted to, you know, swimming, biking, and running, because 
Um, I'm a very strong guy. I can do circles in the gym. I can lift a lot of weight and do amazing things uh, uh, with my body. But no one ever goes say, let's go play triathlon. <laughs> That's a challenge. I mean, a full Ironman is 140 miles. You're doing uh, 2.4 miles swim. You're doing over 100 miles on a bike, and then you're doing a full marathon. And they even and and they have breakdowns in the distances, 70.3s. They have Olympic distances. It's just a very challenging uh, sport to do, and that was something that I fell in love with. And I and I was doing started doing those uh, six seven years ago. So this is so interesting to me, Dominic. So you're a guy who had a spiritual experience, I would say, that changed your life, probably a whole series of them. And you're also a very committed athlete. Where do you see is that intersection between the physical and the spiritual? How can we really use this physical life and improving our physical health to also be a part of our spiritual journey? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I, I, and I tell people this a lot in my talks. Uh, I, I, I very strongly believe veganism saved who I had became at the time. Uh, when I stopped eating that meat in prison, uh, I, I, immediately a transformation happened for me. And, and it's not just about... Uh, physically benefiting from this diet. Um, but you also benefit from a lot of other things. The universe truly um, treats you how you treat it uh, and treat others that are occupying it. And when I say that, I was supposed to be in prison for five years. And when I I just couldn't face that, it was a very uh, difficult thing to believe that I was going to be sitting in there uh, that long, a minimum of five years because I was a first-time offender. I never did anything. I didn't even have a speeding ticket at that point. Uh, but I decided to remove this uh, this, 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 this stuff and this, this negative energy from my lifestyle and my dietary choices. And everything went 180 from that point on, where my counselor called me in literally within a week of me stopping eating me, told me that I'm going to do a year here. That was in Minnesota, and I'm, a, I'm sorry, do a year and a half there. And and, and if I don't get into any fights or whatever and, and keep my nose clean, um, get to Colorado, and I'm going to do what's called a drug program. And the drug program was something that for people who had either uh, alcohol dependency or drug abuse and stuff like that, I didn't have none of that. But my lawyer was able to submit the fact that I did start drinking at a young age, uh, into my file, and they accepted it. And it was able to get me home uh, sooner than later. And I felt like that was the universe working with me. So I was able not to, instead of me doing like five years, I did uh, close to three years, and I got time off to serve for participating in this program. That's what, to me, it's, this is all about. When you don't do harm and you do your best to be productive and positive and help others and animals and humans and be very vocal about it and truly believe in your conviction. Um, I feel like the universe would certainly reward you in a lot of ways, not just physical, but in, in, in financial ways and other opportunities. Uh, yeah, that's what I think it's about. Wow, I think you've just made some of the most profound statements anyone has ever said on this program. I'm going to listen to this myself uh, some extra times for sure. 
So Dominic, talk to us a little bit about your philosophy of business, vegan business in particular. Is there a philosophy of vegan business? Is it different from just business out there in the world? What's the entrepreneurial secrets that you know that some of us could use? It's certainly different for me. It might be different for others uh, that are in the same space, but um, I don't call myself an entrepreneur. I call myself uh, a social entrepreneur, which is actually something, a, a term that they're using in a lot of universities. Now. And what that means is I like to create products and services that truly have an impact on change, not just sell and, and try to make monetary gains. My involvement in the entrepreneur world is truly driven to really help the world be a better place or help a community be a better place. That's why we have all our clothing that's recycled and comes from um, um, areas and farms. Our organic kind comes from North Carolina, and we don't uh, source from uh, places or, or, or participate in manufacturing that uh, produces child labor. Even our down to our printing teams, we are powered by solar power energy. That stuff is important to me. And even with the food and nutrition company, same thing, our lines of service, or like I like to rebrand and call it our lines of solutions, is a true solution center to really help get you to that next level, not just take this program and get out of our way. No, listen to our food coaches. Have a one-on-one. You can have a chat. You can even give us a call, and we dare to get you to your needs. So that's how I practice my business because I truly, truly care. Now, in terms of the black and white part of it, it still runs like any other businesses. You have to pay taxes, you have to pay overhead, you have clients, you have a lot of expenses. It's very expensive to do a startup. And I think a lot of people that try to jump into this space don't realize the responsibility that comes with that. But if you really want it. And I, I love this idea of social entrepreneurship. I've learned recently about... Um, there's a certain kind of corporation one can get that's not a nonprofit, but it's a corporation dedicated to doing good. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool if even the U.S. government recognizes that <clears throat> some businesses are about doing good. So, Dominic, let's get clear on all these things you're doing so that everybody who isn't already your fan and your follower <clears throat> can be one. So the food company with the the food coaches and all that attached to it, food and nutrition, that is eatwhatelephantseat.com. And then uh, we've got crazysandweirdos.com, which are some of the best T-shirts around. Correct. And, uh, so Crazies and Weirdos is a full clothing company. We're developing our shoes now and our coats. We're a full clothing company uh, as well. And Eat well, Elephants Eat is a food uh, food, a full food and nutrition company, which you see now is the nutrition and wellness program, but we're rolling out our superfoods this spring as well as uh, juices, smoothie bars, and restaurants and cookbooks too in the next uh, two years. So we we got Amazing. a big, big program uh, lined up for the community. And, and pardon me for being stuck back in the T-shirts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no worries, no worries. <laughs> you, you do, did you do Clark Kent was vegan? I, I did. That's my creation. I thought Everything that was you. Okay, yeah, so how do you know Clark Kent crazy. was vegan? Uh, in, in 2006, DC Comics rewrote the story. You guys can Google it. It's on Bright Right. Uh, I love it. He announced it. Yeah. All vegans are superheroes, but it's nice when we have one of the classics on our side, too. So um, Facebook, <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, Doms Thompson, D-O-M-Z. Look him up. Follow him. Befriend this man because he'll befriend you. He's really the real deal. So, Dominic, as we enter this new year, 
What's on your mind? What do you want to tell us? Last two minutes. Uh, I just want everybody to understand that majority of us, especially in the vegan community, and I'm sure a bunch of your followers are uh, primary plant-based or vegan, just have empathy, meaning we all came from that background. Uh, we all used to eat meat, most of us, uh, especially the older generation. So uh, just keep that in mind when you are educating people. Assertive education is important, not aggressive education, not calling people names, not slapping labels on their coats in New York when they're not looking. I think that's very juvenile, and you're not going to be productive uh, with really trying to hit home with the message, okay? So be kind to everybody. Um, and, yeah, just continue to educate and inspire as many people as you can. Oh, that's a wonderful, wonderful lesson. So for you right now, if you could have one wish for this world for 2019, what would it be? <laughs> That's easy. I wish, I, I wish that, honestly, uh, more people had access to whole plant-based eating and education about it, surrounding how important it is, and the government removes all those. I, actually, this is a lot of wishes. I'm sorry. It, but every <laughs> wish is primary all about getting as many people, if I could snap my fingers and get majority of the world to eat plant-based and, and, and affordable costs and help them, I would. That's, that's pretty Let's much. snap our fingers and do that. <laughs> Thanks so much to both of my <laughs> guests and to Unity Online Radio and our wonderful engineers, Jeff and Louie. Thanks to you, our listeners. God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth, and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts. 